You're listening to Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. Hi, I'm Christina Cuevas. Seven years ago, I went through a divorce and it completely turned my world upside down. And I'm so glad it did. I documented my healing to share information with other women going through their own divorce journey. And now, with thousands of downloads around the world from divorced women just like you, I'm here to show you how to ditch the shame around divorce and finally heal so that you can regain the confidence to create your most abundant and joyful future. I'm so glad you're here. This is Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. If you've gone through divorce, you already know that a life event like this can leave us feeling broken and ashamed. Trust me, I can wholeheartedly relate because this was me just a few years ago. Unfortunately, most divorced women make the big mistake of thinking that time will heal this wound, spending months or years carrying this feeling of failure around everywhere they go numbing their pain, or worse, staying closed off to the idea of love again, and that's just backwards. Does this sound like you? I got you. I created a free masterclass called Divorce from Divorce Without Feeling Like a Failure. In this class, you'll discover how to actually move on after divorce so you can finally feel whole and regain your confidence without feeling like you failed. Don't wait. Click the link in the show notes to add your name to the waitlist and be the first to get notified once this class goes live. I won't be offering this for free forever though, so be sure to sign up for this limited offer. See you there. Getting divorced can be the loneliest experience ever. Usually, all of your friends are in relationships as people typically build friends around your marriage, but when you're getting divorced, it's hard for some of those women in your circle to understand exactly what you're going through and give you the support that you need. That's why we are introducing Real Talk. Here we're bringing women with real stories and all of their unique details that they've experienced in their divorce and how they got through it and came out stronger than ever. When we record these, all the women sharing their story come in with one purpose, to provide comfort for someone who is going through it. These sessions are meant to help you feel not so alone and that somebody has been in the exact same shoes as you and perhaps a little light at the end of the tunnel. Today, I'm so excited to bring a new episode of Real Talk featuring Nicole Wilkinson, a San Diego woman currently going through divorce with a breakthrough story that will leave you feeling so inspired. Today, she shares her personal story of her divorce and her desperation to provide a better life for her and her son. She's also a fellow sober gal and talks about how she sought out help for her mental health to be emotionally prepared which includes the GRAPES Simple Self-Care System that is this episode's free download. Click on the link below to download your free worksheet featuring the G-R-A-P-E-S system Nicole talks about today to help you on your journey. This podcast episode is brought to you by Indie Canna. 
medicinal cannabis without the high for busy people on the go and their dogs. Their 100% organic, pesticide-free CBD formulas are lab-tested and can help a variety of symptoms, including inflammation and anxiety. Their products are human-grade, but can be used on pets. If you've ever done research on CBD, you know that some supplement companies use products with harsh pesticides or products that aren't even lab-tested, and you have no clue how much CBD is in each dose. Their commitment to helping people and dogs in a natural way by using the best quality ingredients and lab testing their products makes me feel confident that my dogs are getting the best CBD supplement and their labels make it super easy to know how much to give. Visit www.indicanawellness.com for more information. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for jumping on. I want to introduce um, my good friend, Nicole Wilkinson, and sharing your story. And thank you for coming on and being brave and telling us about your experience. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we jump in? Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, So I'm a native San Diegan, born and raised. I'm 39 and I have an eight-year-old son. Uh, My daytime job, I am a marketing director for a law firm, but my passion project is I'm writing a book and it's called Every Woman. Every Woman Has a Story. Um, And it's basically chronicling my life up to this point, um, but in a fictional sense where names have been changed, it's just based on a true story, so it's not an exact uh, narration of my life. Um, and I am in the middle of a messy divorce. The so one thing that we all have in common, I think, <laughs> we're all, you know, going through or yeah. have gone through the pains of a divorce. Um, so I can certainly relate about that. Can you, so it, is your divorce, so it's current, correct? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, yeah, I don't think anybody ever thinks they're going to get divorced. And I remember when I took my marriage vows being like, this is forever. Like I'm never getting divorced. Um, I worked as a paralegal in the field of family law for five years leading up to my divorce. And I just never, I never knew what a hard experience it was for people. I knew it was difficult, but not like this next level grief that I'm experiencing. So um, my ex-husband moved out of our marital home last August. It's been about a year. Um, We are not even close having the terms of our divorce finalized. Um, He's a very difficult person to deal with. And is the big, what is the big thing that's keeping you from closing it out? Like what's the big, um, I guess, what's at stake right now for you? Um, So I'm so grateful we were able to agree early on with custody and visitation. Um, so that's not an issue right now. All of the stuff that's okay. an issue is all of the financial stuff. 
Um, He was raised in a home where the man made the money and the man was in control of everything. And so he kind of fundamentally doesn't believe in child support, spousal support, dividing assets, even though it's the law of the state of California. Um, He kind of, he has these narcissistic tendencies. I wouldn't say that he's a diagnosable narcissist, but he has these these tendencies where he thinks that the rules don't apply to him. And so instead of getting this done quickly and easily, he's pouring tons of money into attorney fees to just fight everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know exactly what that feels like. It's insane. It sure is. (laughs) And I think it's like, the hardest thing is like you just want it it's like it's so rational and it's like oh it's by the law and like I don't know what is it inside of certain people where they just can't take no for an answer or like just say like gosh like don't you just want to move on you know Mm-hmm. or like these are the facts like this is the facts of the case this is the law that governs the facts of the case this is the outcome <laughs> you know, and him being like, nope, that's not the outcome. You're lying. <laughs> You're trying to use the law on your side. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh. It's trying to reason with the unreasonable, you know? Absolutely. He just wants it to be, you know, whatever he wants it to be. So, was there red flags was your marriage struggling prior to him moving out like what was what were the circumstances leading up to it um that you decided that this was the best route um so our relationship is pretty complex being that we're a blended family um so my son is not his biological child He adopted my son when my son was four, but we started dating when my son was six months. Um, We got married when he was a year, and my ex-husband has three daughters, and so we had four kids total between the two of us. Um, And it was a real struggle that first year trying to figure out where my place was as a stepmom and um, what we were going to do about our son. You know, we were talking about the adoption. There's just a whole process we had to go through. But we ended up doing it. Um, So now he is legally his father. Um, But through all the tumultuous um, stuff with being step-parents and whatnot, um, there were definitely red flags. Um, It wasn't until we got married, about a year into our marriage, And he started having these really angry, violent outbursts when he would get angry. Um, More so than just yelling, he'd he'd punch the hole through the wall. He'd throw things at me. Um, I mean, it was to the point where I would be barricading myself and my son in in the bedroom, just terrified of him. And at that point, I was done. I was ready to file for divorce. I... uh, took a chunk of money out of savings that I was going to use to secure a place for us, had the divorce papers drawn up. I gave it to him and he pleaded with me to give him one more chance. He'd go to anger management. He'll start couples counseling, whatever it took. 
And so at that point, I mean, in retrospect, I wish I would have walked away because I had the strength at that time to do so. And it took me another six years after that to get the strength again. But, oh, wow. So how, how long after that, recon- that first reconciliation did it take for the behaviors to kind of come back again? Um, I would say that he hadn't been physical or broke anything until maybe two years ago. Um, so it was maybe four years. Uh, but he found other ways. So he, the big thing he always, his goal was to try to manipulate and control. And so um, over the years, he would get angry with me if I would um, answer a phone call from my mom or sister. Um, if I would go get a cup of coffee with a friend. Um, I'm sober, so I go to 12-step meetings. He would get upset if I went to a 12-step meeting. Um, just kind of like that behavior trying to isolate me slowly, but but also giving me the guilt trip that we have a small child, you're abandoning your family, you're not being present when you go answer your phone, um, and not having a real stable upbringing and, and knowing what that's supposed to look like. I just kind of like followed his lead and, and was like, okay, I understand, I'm sorry, you know, I'll, I'll do better. And I found myself over the years starting to have to lie to be able to do something. So like I hurt my back and I had to go to the chiropractor, but I had to lie about where I was going or else he would be upset that I was going to the chiropractor. You Uh, have to lie about going to the chiropractor to take care of your back. Oh my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And then he would just kind of berate me in front of the girls. And so they would treat me really disrespectfully, um, just following his lead. Um, his daughters, you mean? Yeah, his daughters, yeah. Um, and then about, about 2015, I had a series of surgeries and um, had leftover pain medication and I was just feeling so overwhelmed with, with his behavior towards me, specifically when we'd go on road trips, because like, it would be like I was trapped in a car with him. So it would start yeah. to take these pain pills to kind of like numb out so I could be able to get through this trip without having these huge anxiety attacks or being, you know, in, in fear. And, and um, so I ended up relapsing, like during our marriage. Um, by taking these pain pills to try to deal with the abuse. Um, And, I mean, that was a huge red flag there, too, you know. Um, But I'm having to take a substance to be able to exist in my marriage, you know. Yeah, so what was it, what was the turning point or the light kind of turning on for you to kind of stop yourself in your tracks and say like, this isn't healthy or what I'm doing is obviously, you know, harming myself just to get through your marriage, like you said. So what was, where was that turning point for you? Um, The turning point for me was January, 2018. Um, 
I didn't have any girlfriends. I um, was pretty isolated. And I was introduced to a business networking group of women. I owned my own um, legal uh, law business. And so I was definitely looking for networking opportunities. And this ended up becoming more of um, friendships as well as the business networking. And I started to become close with some of the women. And I started to talk about what was happening in my life. And the more transparent I got, even though I wouldn't quite say everything, looking at their reactions and being told, hey, that's not okay. That's not Mm -hmm. okay for him to treat you like that. And slowly starting to um, get a little bit of my own power back that I'd given to him and um, start to be able to stand up for myself. And everything kind of came to a head uh, last summer. So in June, he uh, he'd always get mad if I was on my phone when he was driving. Um, he just wanted me to pay attention to him, I guess. And he ripped the phone out of my hand and hit me with it. And oh I made him pull over the car, and I was like, I'm calling the police. But our son was in the car, so then our son starts crying because I say I'm going to call the police. So, I mean, I didn't, but it was like, this is huge. This is not okay. Like, he's never actually hit me. And a couple months later, I just, one night, I just went up to him and I said, I want you to sleep in another room. I want to separate. We can still live in the same house, but I am not going to tolerate you treating me like this anymore. And he was, he was blown away. He was so angry. He told me that he'd never seen it coming, coming, that I'd blindsided him. How could I do this to him? Um, and in those two months from July to September 1st, when he fully moved out, um, he slowly started to take finances away from us. Um, he was the sole provider and saw that he had this like power over me. And Mm -hmm. so instead of trying to work it out, which I was willing to do, um, but I was also really lost. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the extent to which the abuse was affecting me. I just knew that I couldn't continue to live the way I'd been living. And last week of August, he said, I'm moving out September 1st. You guys are on your own. And he left. And it rocked my world. Right. So, yeah, that's, a, that's, I can't even imagine it. And so at that time you had to kind of, you were saying that he was the sole provider. So you had to then go and figure out what you were going to do financially to care for your son um, and keep your son yeah. safe. Was oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. Look, those two, three months after that, it was a nightmare. He would threaten to come take my car every night. Um, and so I'd have to like lock it in the garage and get like one of those old school locks that you put on the handlebars <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and eventually I was able to get the spare key off his key ring without him knowing. Um, thankfully I had a family law attorney that I was consulting with and she was letting me know of all the safety precautions I needed to take. Um, like changing the locks on the door, um, calling the police if he ever showed up. Um, all of those things. 
Um, within that first month, I, I stepped out of my business that I'd owned and got a full-time job and I had to sell everything in the house. Cause I, I mean, we lived in a huge house, um, at the bottom of Mount Helix. I had to sell everything and get my son and myself into a room to rent, um, just so we had somewhere to sleep at night. Um, yeah. my other option was going to a shelter, but you know, I just, I didn't want to put my son through that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a lot of scrambling and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and not knowing if I was going to make it through each day. Um, yeah. And what, and yeah. I, I'm imagining that you're, you're still sober. I'm assuming. I am. Yep. I got, yeah, I got honest about taking the pills and, and reset my sobriety date real quick. Wow. And so what does being sober do for your healing right now? Well, it's, I mean, it's a miracle. So um, I realized I was an alcoholic when I was 21 and I got sober at that time. I relapsed when I was tw uh, 28. And it was like 20 times worse than when I was 21. Um, and so it was a miracle that I was able to quickly get honest about those pills and reset my sobriety date and, and continue being sober. I've seen so many women who are trying to get sober or can't get sober lose their kids in a divorce um, because they're drunk. And, and I'm so grateful that I'm not in that situation. Um, but also being sober, you have to feel all the feelings, you know, I mean, every mm -hmm. single thing that comes up, there's no numbing mm -hmm. it. Um, so what do you do? What do you do when you know that you're in the thick of feeling the feelings? What's your normal go-to to help you cope? Well, in, um, in January, I had pretty much like a nervous breakdown. Um, I couldn't function at work because of all the stuff that was going on and I was put on medical leave. I was sent to an outpatient program at a, psych at a psychiatric hospital to learn tools, um, distress tolerance. Um, it was a cognitive behavior therapy program to learn how to navigate grief. Um, I was to the point where I was suicidal. So trying to, to manage that, um, I, I had to do that for eight weeks. And through that, I learned so many survival skills and coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that the most important one that I learned was this thing they call grapes. And so every day you have to do um, these, uh, one, uh, you know, one or two or all of these like six things. So Grape stands for G is being gentle with yourself. R is relaxation. A is action. Um, P is physical exercise. E, no, P is, no, <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, P, P physical exercise, E. <laughs> yeah, P physical is P. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't remember what the E is, and then S is social. I'll, um, I'll find it. <laughs> I'll find it. 
But anyways, there's like this list of these things you do for self-care that when I was in the group and doing this program, you have to check in every day and say, have you done your grapes? And so what I would have to do is with being gentle with myself, I would, you know, set aside time to cry and to feel the feelings and not get down on myself about it. Um, mm. For relaxation, I would do um, either guided meditation or progressive muscle relaxation. Um, they taught us that if we can calm the body, the mind will follow. So you can't be in fight or flight in your mind if your body is relaxed. Um, so there is that social was a big one for me because I isolated. So yeah, yeah, saying hey, let's meet for coffee, um, things like that. So that was one of the tools that I'd learned. Um, also, um, doing what they call thought records because my mind was like going out of control. I was worst case scenario with everything, you know, my son's not going to be taken care of at his dad, or I'm not going to be able to survive without my ex-husband. And looking at the facts, because our, you know, our thoughts can like run away with us. Um, and when I look at the facts, then it brings me back down to reality and realize I can do this without him. And I am doing it without him. Like, I don't need my husband to survive, you know? Yeah. Um, things like that. Today, um, a lot of, uh, I, I depend a lot on my support group, um, talking about what's going on, bouncing it off of other people. Because I know that even though I know the law, even though I know the way divorces work, my emotions get in the way and I cannot think rationally. Oh, so, I mean, that's, I, I think that's everybody, you know, I think without the emotional tools um, of knowing what is normal and not going to numb out. And I think that's a huge thing. And I mean, I know we've talked about this um, before, but just about like the, the co constant pushing of something like alcohol or something like, uh, anything that can cause you to completely numb out from your feelings and not feel the feelings. And I think there's so many people, regardless of whether you do something that actually puts you into a category that says like you have a problem, but I think just there's so many people who are walking around who are just numb. Right. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many people, close friends even, um, that said, you just need to go out and, and get a glass of wine. You need to go out, go to a bar, go meet a guy, you know, like all these things to try to numb out. And, and I'm just like, I can't do that. Like, I don't just not drink alcohol because I choose to. I'm a full-blown alcoholic. So me doing those things is yeah. not a great idea. Or when people you know, say, like, oh, no, all, it's easy to control. Just go and have one glass of wine. And I'm like, no, I don't want to just go and have one glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and I just so see what are some another... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just see this as another learning experience and something that I can share with others to help them, like, on their journey. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like, 
you've had such a transformative year or last couple of years really to just kind of you had to kind of hit that rock bottom because learning those tools the grapes um i think is so so valuable but you almost had to kind of hit the rock bottom so that you could like learn those things and learn how to pick yourself up and just kind of rebuild with those new fundamentals those new tools and being able to tell yourself i'm okay i'm gonna be okay here are all the things that i can do to help me um and that's huge and i think a lot of people will probably never hit their rock bottom because they're scared or they're stuck and they feel lost and they don't want to have that talk with themselves that they need help um and unfortunately if people don't do that they're going to be the ones that actually suffer in their own life unfortunately and you kind of have this second chance which is beautiful to be honest i mean i think your struggle is is beautiful no matter what um and your strength is amazing with you know with kind of saying that you originally looked to him as the leader of the house um and the leader of your life to kind of make those choices for you and you kind of just went with it because you trusted him and you loved him um and then to then kind of find that own strength inside yourself to say like i know that there's a better life out there for me is man there's not a lot of people that have a strength like that and you are i'm almost like moved to tears over here just thinking about it it's, it's amazing <laughs> yeah so, well i mean I, i've been through a lot in my life and and i think back to if i could get if i got through those things i can get through this you know yeah totally yeah i mean absolutely i think i think you've kind of been through the hardest part um and what are some things like obviously nothing's perfect nothing's going to be easy there's always going to be a struggle with everything um and it's all about how we choose to respond to those situations not everything has to be viewed as a oh shit like here we go again kind of a thing like you can always still see the struggle and kind of find the beauty of it and say like okay this is my challenge because no matter what if we're not faced with challenges we're not progressing so right we're just no matter in our life yeah so i think no matter what um there's always going to be something and so after everything that you've learned and and everything that you've been able to apply what are some things that you currently struggle with today emotionally oh <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> in in really in relation to your in relation to your divorce and like the triggers, I guess you could say. So exhausting. Like all of this, you know. Um what do I struggle? Well, I'll tell you what, I struggle a lot financially today because um he uses support um to control and manipulate. So right now he's withholding his child and spousal support. Which, you know, and then I'm an, I have to go to court, I have to file things and then have to watch the judge yell at him for not complying again, you know, and it's just like the circus. 
that there's so much stress and anxiety and emotion. Um, and so that's like a huge stressor today. Um, just emotionally on a daily basis, like what is he going to pull today? You know, what is he going to do he, to try to get at me? Yeah. Has he moved on emotionally or romantically? No. We, no. And I mean, I, that's been the hardest part, I think, for both of us. Um, that there's always been, we're, we have been very codependent emotionally on each other. And there's huge physical attraction. And I'm starting to see that that, that like, that drive to want, have to be with one another no matter what is like part of the sickness. It's like part of the um, abusive cycle, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, even though he treated me horribly and he still treats me horribly to this day, there's been times in the last year that we've hung out, you know, that we've gone on a date. I mean, me thinking, oh, it's going to be different this time. And then him looking at me and saying, oh, I still have you in the cage. Like, you know, having that control over me. That's the analogy that he uses. Um, that he had. Oh, he uses that analogy himself. Yeah, so he has this awareness, but um, I, it's like, I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday. He doesn't have the awareness all the time. He has these moments of clarity where he realizes how awful he's been. and. Um, then he has these other moments where when he says stuff like that to me, oh, I still have you in the cage. He has like this devious look on his face and he's like, and it, wow. and it tells me how it makes him feel like so powerful. And like that shit freaks me out. Like he never did that when we were married. And like when he wow. does that, I'm just like, oh my God, you're a psychopath. <laughs> wow. It's like, uh, yeah, he's just battling the demons within himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got wounds that haven't been looked at and he's operating from a place of fear, I'm sure. I mean, all of it. Um, totally. But he, as far as I know, he hasn't dated anybody else. I I tried dating a little bit, but I'm not ready. I have a lot more healing to do. Um, yeah, for sure. I think, I don't think you can ever really move on with somebody else I mean kudos to whoever can you know go and start dating when your divorce is still going on I know that people do that and there's nothing wrong with that I think it's just when you go something that's go through something that's really traumatic um it's you need to you need to actually have that door legally closed I think for for you to be yeah. able to move on. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm not there, but I know something I'm just, I just have to let go more and more every day um, until I'm in a place where I can start fresh and, and give another, you know, give a man a chance in a relationship. I'm just not there. So it would just, it would be unfair to the person I'd be dating, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, you're still, I mean, still even with the physical attraction and how, kind of how you said that that's kind of part of the uh, the struggle 
I think you're still, it's kind of like looking at something with rose colored glasses. I think if you're still physically attracted to somebody, there's also something deep down inside of you that you need to work on. So then that cannot become attractive to you because then you're just going to kind of keep cycling and you're going to look for finding something that attracts you with that same energy. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, recreating the trauma. Exactly. Well, I, uh, I am excited for where your life is, is headed. I do think that you have done the work to put in the, the, um, the best life that you can possibly build for you and your son. And I think that no matter what, that is going to pay off because you're showing the universe, you're showing yourself that you're worthy of a better life. Um, and I hope that this is like a huge inspiration to so many people because it, it's actually been a huge inspiration to me. Um, so thank you for, for sharing your story. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. And it's funny, I, I thought I was done with my book, <laughs> um, Every Woman, and then this happened, and my, one of my best friends told me, she goes, oh, you got another chapter now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think I, I still, I, I could probably have like so many chapters if I were to write a book. It's like, it's ever evolving, you know, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Can, where can where can people find you and, and access to you if they want to want to hear more? Um, so I'm on Instagram and my handle is my name Nicole Wilkinson N I C H O L E W I L K I N S O N San Diego. So they can find me on there. Um, that's pretty much the only platform I have right now. Um. And I'm slowly starting to write again. And I'll slowly be starting to share more of that on my Instagram. And really what I share on a daily basis is just the raw feelings and emotions that I go through. Like, I don't sugarcoat it. It is what it is, you know. And we're all in it together. We absolutely are. And I really enjoy following you and the things that you talk about on Instagram. So, be sure to go and check out Nicole's page. Um, And thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. Do you feel like you're going through divorce alone? So going through divorce can leave you on something that I like to call divorce island. And it is a one person island with no way out. Well, not anymore. So I want to introduce to you guys divorcebff.com. And it is your one-stop shop for all things emotional support while you're going through divorce. We have workbooks, workshops, products that you can carry with you, products to help you create a safe space and how to use it. You'll also get a chance to have access to our weekly conversation as well as our monthly live calls. So head on over to divorcebff.com and sign up today.